Ever walked by a shelf in your local bookstore full of books wrapped in brown paper? They are blind dates with books, where you buy a book without knowing the title, the cover, or the author, and it's a great way to discover new books you might never have picked for yourself. We are giving away five blind dates with books. Executive editor Amanda Nelson will take a trip to her local Indian Richmond called Chop Suey and pick five at random off the shelves to mail to five random winners. To enter to win your own blind date with a book, go to bookriot.com slash blind date and sign up for our upcoming Read This Book newsletter where we will send you a single solitary book recommendation once per week. That's bookriot.com slash blind date to enter, or go see if your local indie participates with their own blind date shelves. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Kidlet These Days, a Book Riot podcast. Kidlet These Days is your Kidlet connoisseurs, pairing the best of children's literature with what's going on in the world today. I'm Karina Yan Glazer, alongside Matthew Winner, and we are here to have conversations that create opportunities for parents, grandparents, teachers, librarians, and all who love children's books to engage in the world through literature in a deeper and broader way. We are recording on October 11th, 2019. So, Matthew, this week, (laughs) I was doing school visits in Florida, and today I saw that you were hosting an author at your school, so I thought that was like a really good connection between us. So tell us about your school visit today. Okay, so um, I um, have, have been friends and connected for a while with author, poet, Nikki Grimes, and she has a brand new YA memoir called Ordinary Hazards, and so she's out on book tour as well, and was coming to my local library and just said, I'm in town, can I swing by your school? And I have mentioned before on this podcast that I'm at a a new school location, and so she came over and talked to my fourth graders on sort of an impromptu get-together, but talked Uh to them about poetry. My fourth graders are studying some of the works of Nikki Giovanni, and then working on writing their own poems. Uh, and so um, it was fun to have the other Nikki, to have Nikki Grimes come in That's and so talk awesome. about her writing experience. It was really, really cool. And then what I didn't tell you was that um, after Nikki left, um, <laughs> we set up the book fair. So Did it was you? quite a busy day. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. It was a wild, wild day. But That's a great awesome. Day. Yeah. Yeah. How, about, how, about, how was your, your trip around... Florida and, and all those places and then home again. Oh, it was wonderful. So Good. I was visiting a school in Amelia Island, Florida, which is sort of the southeastern part of Florida, right by the border of Georgia. And this school visit was such a pleasure to organize. Um, the person I was working with um, at the school was just so great and accommodating. And when I got to the hotel, there was a huge bag sitting on the chair in the hotel. And I looked in there and there was so many snacks 
three <laughs> bottles of water and like 150 cards from the kids. <laughs> Whoa. And they all like gave recommendations about what I should do while I was there. And I would say about 80% suggested that I go to the fudge shop, like the local fudge shop. <laughs> so I was like, point taken. I went right to the fudge shop. <laughs> and it was just such a sweet visit. And the kids were wonderful. And yeah, it makes me very grateful for what I do and being able to communicate and and have that time with readers. It's really special. Welcoming authors is a really, really special thing. And making sure that we communicate on both sides, both you, the author, communicating to us and us communicating to you to make sure that visit goes well is something that is special. It's neat to have yes. uh, folks like you come into our school. My students oh. are constantly asking me what I'm listening to on my earbuds. And this week I got to say, well, my buddy Karina Yen Glazer wrote a new Yay. book and I'm listening to it now. Um, and all of them in Aww. that super sweet way were asking do we have it in our library? Where is it? Can you get it for me? <laughs> oh, uh, that's so, so that sweet. It was really sweet. It's neat, uh, again, as a librarian, to be able to share our reading lives with students. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you get to jump in our schools, hopefully you have that opportunity to step into those those reading communities. And that's a cool thing. Yes, it's so special. Um, all right, well, let me bring our listeners, our um, sponsor. So this episode is brought to you by Starscape, publisher of best-selling author W. Bruce Cameron's Puppy Tales series. His latest puppy tale, Lily's Story, is about Lily, a rescue pup from the shelter who discovers her very special purpose. Lily's small size helps her save other animals that no one else can. It's Lily to the rescue. Perfect for young readers. Check out Lily's Story by W. Bruce Cameron, available wherever books are sold. Visit brucecameronbooks.com to learn more about Puppy Tales. This um, book series was very popular um, with m both my daughters when they were oh, yeah. about in first and second grade. Just really sweet stories and very animal-centered and... Yeah. One of one of the books won our state book award for grades four to six, the Black Eyed Susan Book Award that we mentioned on a previous episode. Uh it won for grades four to six uh, in the novel category. And oh, awesome. as I was book talking it last week, another one of those things where they were like, I love those books. Do you have any more in our library? Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so, you so have so many that, great readers in your library. The, oh, so many that, that are that that just want to keep reading more mm -hmm. by those authors, which is wonderful. You know, I think about our great readers in our library and the topic that we're going to cover today, that being climate change and, and being environmental uh, stewards. Uh, and I, I think about just how, how cool it is to get to work with these children mm -hmm. uh, because they are showing the way. And as a, as a teacher, helping to provide those opportunities for them to lead and for them to pursue um, their their own steps in activism is something that is uh, something that's really important to me. So mm -hmm. when a listener wrote in uh, saying that they would love for us to tackle climate change, uh, this being um, something especially that, that made recent news because of other um, things we'll talk about with Greta Thunberg and things like that. Um, I thought, what a what a perfect time to to center ourselves on children and and the way that they are are leading us. 
the um, video that has really been on my mind is that of Greta Thunberg at the um, the Global Climate Summit. And yes. um, I think in something that was like maybe a four minute clip, we'll link to it in our show notes at bookriot.com slash listen. But in that, that four minute clip, I just remember the way that she spoke directly to the adults in the room and really to all of us listening, um, challenging us to own the future that we are leaving for these children and to not deny the change that is happening in our environment, but to listen and to realize the repercussions that it has for these children, leaving them to clean up this mess that we've made. Mm -hmm. And um, to hear these words coming from a 16-year-old and to hear the conviction in her voice and to know that there are many times in our lives as adults that we need to stop and we need to listen and stop acting like we are the ones with the answers, mm-hmm. but uh, rather listen to children and help center their voices and um, help them um, find their strength to make change in this world um, is something that, that has really been on my mind recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really thinking about this a lot, especially with the recent climate marches all over the country and the world. And it reminded me of when my husband and I took my two daughters to a climate change march in New York City. I think it was about four years ago. And it was this huge march. And there were so many young people there. It was incredible. And there was just so much support for the march that when we got there, um, the march started. But there were just so many people, we couldn't even move. Like, we just stood in place because it was taking so long for um, people to start walking. So we were there for a couple hours and just probably moved maybe a couple of blocks And it was very inspiring to watch all these young people really speaking their mind and, and they had made their posters and were very joyful in the way that they expressed their desire for us to pay attention to these really important issues. I think back to when I was their age Mm -hmm. and what, what things were influencing me in my thoughts about stewarding the earth? Um, we had Arbor Day where we were planting a tree at our school that I can remember in elementary school. And we have um, Earth Day celebrations. I remember growing up in Pennsylvania that Woodsy the Owl was this owl that talked about giving a hoot. Give a hoot, don't pollute, oh. never be a dirty bird. Um, <laughs> That's a lot of um, there it is. rhyming. <laughs> and also in, in Pennsylvania, we had Smokey the Bear. Yes. And only you can prevent forest fires, something that, that I think w- w- was a national campaign, but something that was really brought into our schools. And and the other thing I think about is that movie Fern Gully. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. As I, as I reflected that those were really the places that, that I came to. I don't remember student voices that were leading this charge to save mm-hmm. the environment and to do something. And it strikes me in our connected world 
not only how much more we get to see this happening, but how much more easily children, students can mobilize and connect uh, nationally and globally to affect this change. Uh, you talk about the, the recent climate change march, and we at our school, the upper school students and middle school students, uh, marched out and were in full support mm-hmm. from the staff. And um, it was captured all over our social media feeds, um, the, these words that the children were sharing uh, and, and the way that they were impacting um, our, their, their local community as well as those online that were um, accessing these videos. So I, it just... It's a new world, and I'm I'm grateful to be witnessing this and to be, as you are too, working to help help let those children lead the way. Yes, I mean, watching my older daughter, she's 11, and she's part of her school sustainability club, and one of their big projects has been to go around to local businesses and ask them to ban plastic straws and to not use plastic straws, offer them um, to customers or only offer them on request. And my daughter is not the kind of person, my older daughter is not the kind of person to just go up to a complete stranger and ask them to do something. And it's been really interesting to watch her do that. And she feels so compelled that this is important, that she will step way outside her comfort zone to do that and and really um, go up to someone and give them sort of all these statistics about plastic straw usage, how many are used every day, and the amount of trash it generates and how long it stays in our environment. And I'm very, I'm always very impressed when young people do that because it's not easy to, to do. And it's been really wonderful to see all of that happening. Well, our special guest on the show today um, has an upcoming picture book that really, I think, brings us all together and um, shares a message of of a community focused on affecting change. Today, we're excited to welcome author Carol Lindstrom to the show. Carol is Anishinaabe Métis and is tribally enrolled with the Turtle Mountain Band of Ojibwe. She was born and raised in Nebraska and currently makes her home in Maryland. Carol's first book, which is called Girls Dance, Boys Fiddle, was released by Pemmican Publishers in 2013, was inspired by the fiddle and its importance to her Anishinaabe Métis culture. And her upcoming release, called We Are Water Protectors, which will release uh, in spring 2020 from Roaring Brook Press, is a picture book inspired by Standing Rock and all indigenous peoples fighting for clean water. Please welcome Carol Lindstrom. Um, My name is Carol Lindstrom, pronouns are she and her, and I'm the author of We Are Water Protectors. Welcome, Carol. We're so glad to have you on Kidlet these days. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Matthew. I'm glad to be here. So you have this beautiful picture book that's coming out in March called We Are Water Protectors, illustrated by Michaela Goad. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful book um, about uh, an indigenous people looking at their role in their relationship to water. Is it fair to say it that way? Yes, I would say that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. So I, I wonder um, what brought you to write this story? What inspired you 
to write this story? Uh, well, I think just the initial thing that inspired me was Standing Rock. Um, you know, uh, as a Native person, um, I think I sort of, um, I, I didn't grow up near my reservation and where I live now, I'm not near any, you know, a, a lot of Native people, like a large, you know, contingent of Native people. So I've always sort of felt disconnected um, from, you know, Native or my relatives. Um and then when Standing Rock happened, it just opened my eyes to, I was just really blown away at the um, amount of my, you know, relatives really that when we say that, we're, like we're all related in terms of Native, you know, people, because mm. we all are related. Uh, and so then I was like, oh my gosh, all these people feel the same way, all my, you know, as I do about the earth, about the planet. And I, I just felt so... Um, I, I felt like I felt like I found my family, you know, uh, my own folks that passed away now for quite some time. So I kind of always felt, even though I'm older, I'm kind of floundering around a bit. But when I saw those my people, I was I, I just felt like, oh my gosh, I, I know where I belong. And then that just the whole I I was involved, you know, on social media when it happened, uh, watching the um, Scanny Rock um, situation when it, the camp was set up in April of 2016 and I just I immediately was just glued to everything and you know I think I don't know if you recall but you know it really wasn't in uh, mainstream media really at all it was only mostly on social media where people were learning about it so I felt like you know my duty is to uh, you know share this knowledge um through people can see what's happening um, on social media but then I also felt like I needed to do more but I just you know, I wanted to go to Sandy Rock, but being so far away um, and having a family, it was just not, um, you know, conducive for me to go. But um, I think, you know, wondered how could I help my, um, you know, bring awareness to this. And then I thought I could write a story. I could write about it. So I wrote, um, I started writing a novel, really, it was going to become, that's what my original intention was. Um, but I realized that the novel was going to take me a lot longer than I wanted it to, because, <laughs> you know, this is like, important, and people need to know this is like happening now. So I thought, well, maybe I could start and turn it into a, a picture book so that I, I could, you know, I could mold 500 words, of, you know, um, e not easier, because it's not easy to write a picture book, but it would just be I could get my hands around it easier and faster and just, you know, work with the picture book. And, and that's, that's where I started with it. And I just felt like, you know, this is my way of helping. This is what I can do. I, I, you know, I can't do as much as I want, but by telling the story and sharing it with people, that is maybe what my role is supposed to be. So yes. that's kind of where I started. <laughs> I heard about Standing Rock through social media and also through the Unreserved podcast through CBC. Um, and I, I, I have since then picked up your book and read it and immediately thought of that from this line. Can I read a line to you from your book? A yes. couple lines? You write, um, just a couple pages into the picture book, my people talk of a black snake that will destroy the land, spoil the water, poison plants and animals, wreck everything in its path. When my people first spoke of the black snake, they foretold that it wouldn't come for many many years. Now the black snake is here. Its venom burns the land, courses through the water, making it unfit to drink. 
Carol, my son, my nine-year-old, as we read this, immediately picked up on uh, that metaphor of a snake. And we had this opportunity to talk about what it means to uh, imagine something as one thing and see it come to our world as another. We talked about how sometimes our dreams can feel threatening and we realize when we walk that dream back, what what feelings or, or actions or events might be behind it. I wonder in thinking about caring for our world, where you see children's roles in in being stewards of our earth. Oh gosh. <clears throat> I think I think children are so important and I think they get it. They get it like your son. They understand. You know, they it really is so simple really, right? Clean water, clean uh, of environments where animals and plants can live and thrive. I mean, children, it's really as simple as it is. They understand it. So really, they are the caretakers of the world. This is their world. You know, as Native people, we don't ever speak of uh, owning the land like a child. We don't own our children. We ca- we're caretakers of our children. We're nurturing our children. We're helping them grow to become better people. And that's really what I see. We see our role for Mother Earth, you know, to take care of it, to, to be stewards of it. And I think children, they it just seems, I look at um, Greta, um, and there's Autumn Peltier, who is um, indigenous. She's um, Anishinaabe, like I am. Uh, these young people are Really, look at I, I, I'm astonished when I see where Greta has come from just a year ago. You know, she's sitting outside the Swedish embassy, uh, or you know, and to bring attention. And now she's got, I mean, she's a huge what she's doing. So I feel young people are really, I mean, they are the future. And I think that the more that we can explain to them just in simple things like this, you know, that's our job and our role is to just take care of the planet. I think that just that alone to them gives them, well, it gives them, you know, it it helps them. I don't know. I just think it gives them power, you know, it does. It, It makes them think I, you know, I can make a difference. I can do make a difference by not leaving the water run for so long or leaving lights on or take I don't, pick up litter or not litter or not throw things in the water, not you know, plastic and recycle. All these things can be, you know, it, I, it, for me as a child, I remember just, you know, it, it just, I can't remember a time I was thinking uh, when I didn't think about the earth and when I wasn't um, just, aware of everything and like I remember as a child I used to pick up earthworms on the sidewalk if I saw them (laughs) like from a rainstorm and I would put them in the dirt because I felt bad for them like oh my god the sun's gonna come out they're gonna get baked you know and so I think that's just kind of what children do they see things they see things with a much clearer eye I think a much untainted eye than we do that's, um, that's a beautiful yeah. perspective for us all to hold on to. I'm grateful to hear those words spoken. I, yeah. Especially as an educator who looks into those eyes every day, um, it's such a beautiful connecting thing that so many of us adults can affirm their strength. Carol, your book ends with an earth steward and water protector pledge. 
I wonder if you have the book in front of you, if you would mind reading it aloud to us and speaking a little on the importance for you of including this pledge at the end of your book. Sure, I do have the pledge. I'd be happy to read it. Um, The pledge starts, I will do my best to honor Mother Earth and all its living beings, including the water and land. I will always remember to treat the Earth as I would like to be treated. I will treat the winged ones, the crawling ones, the four-legged, the two-legged, the plants, trees, rivers, lakes, the Earth, with kindness and respect. I pledge to make this world a better place by being a steward of the Earth and a protector of the water. Uh, And I just felt um, at the end of this book, again, I felt like that was sort of an opportunity to give empower children to, I don't know, I just thought there was something, something so special or final or, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, maybe immediate about being, just signing this and saying, I am going to do my best to make sure that I I live up to these, this vow. And I think children really take things like that seriously. And I think that by signing this, they're always, you know, I think they're just going to have just a little bit more um, of a reason to live up to this because they signed it. And so I'm hoping maybe some of them will even want to cut it out and maybe frame it or put it on their wall. I was hoping it could become a, a um, you could be perforated. We could take it out, but it's not. But I'm just signing it anyway and just, um, knowing in their heart that they have taken this pledge, I think it means a lot, and I think it'll be significant to them in their minds and in their hearts. I think subconsciously they'll always keep it with them. Well, that was my hope anyway. Carol, thank you so much for writing We Are Water Protectors and especially for sharing your message with all of us today. Thank you so much, Matthew. I really appreciate it, and thank you so much for having me. This episode is brought to you by Roar, the YA imprint of Lion Forge. Roar is proud to publish Mooncakes, written by Suzanne Walker and illustrated by Wendy Shu. This new graphic novel follows two Asian-American teens with magical abilities. Nova Huang is a hard-of-hearing teen and one of the most powerful witches in New England. She works at her grandmother's spellbook shop by day and hunts down the supernatural by night. Tam Lang is a genderqueer werewolf who has been wandering from place to place for years. When Mooncakes begins, Tam has just found their way back to their hometown, where they grew up with Nova, and the two cross paths again when Nova follows reports of a white wolf in the woods and finds Tam mid-battle with a horse demon. Tam must turn to Nova for help, and and together they attempt to defeat the dark supernatural forces that threaten to claim wolf magic for evil. You can find mooncakes in stores this October. And Karina, I have to say, as I was telling you off recording, I have been looking forward to this book for so long. Yes, you were I, very excited when you, did, I, yeah, <laughs> when you saw this. Yeah, I stopped this. by the Lion Forge booth at ALA back uh-huh. in June and saw a preview of this book in one of those um, those catalog flyers that has like a five-page or six-page like preview of a bunch of different comics. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh, yeah. And they had this in there. Um, and since then, I, I've, I've marked it to read, and I have a review copy that I haven't opened up yet because school has started and I've been busy. But the book trailer for Mooncakes is 
awesome, and I love the work the Lion Forge does. So, um, what an exciting love story with magic to read! Yes, um, it's going to be great. I think. Awesome. <laughs> and you know what? Who need? Who else um, couldn't do with more comics in their world? <laughs> Have right. we just talked about comics on our last episode? I know. <laughs> I'm very tempted to like do another one right away. All the comics episodes. We love All that. the comics, yes. So um, today we've brought to you a number of different picture books, graphic novels, and novels that um, center around uh, the environment, around climate change, around activism, um, in being stewards for the earth. So um, would you mind, Karina, starting us off with a picture book? Okay, so this picture book is called Crab Cake. It's by Andrea Surumi, and I actually fought Matthew for the <laughs> for I the pleasure to. Um, yeah, I interviewed to, Andrea on the children's book podcast. I'm obsessed with this book. I know. I was like, "Can I please book talk this?" Even though you're the one who put it on the list. Um, anyways, he graciously let me do this. So I love this book. Actually, her first book, Andrea's first picture book, was Accident, which is so. Wonderful, And I just love her illustrations. Every page is just filled with so many careful details. So I think readers would really enjoy examining all the special things on each page. So it's about, um, it's a story set under under the ocean. And there's all these different animals doing different things. The puffer fish is puffing up. The octopus is hiding in a coconut. Um, and then the crab is baking cakes. And then, you know, the book goes on to other things that the um, sea animals are doing. And then the crab is continuing to bake cakes. And then something happens and just causes all this darkness to fall into the book. And it's just a pile of trash. And everyone in the ocean is saying how terrible this is and wondering how everyone is and checking on each other, and then they find out what has happened, which is basically someone just dumped all their trash into the ocean, and then um, the animals hatch a plan to do something about this. And it's just such a lovely book. The words are just perfectly written. There's nothing that's too much or too little about it. It reads really beautifully. The pictures are a joy to look at. So I really suggest this book um, for any read aloud. I think it's just so lovely. I think the humor is really great in this book. And I love that the ending, without giving away the actual ending in the book, the message that we're left with is, humans, it is your responsibility to take care of the earth and know that what you do has an effect on on that biodiversity that's living, you know, under our seas and on our lands. I really like that it it is, the responsibility is turned back to us in a great way. Yes. Uh, Speaking of us dumping trash everywhere, um, the the graphic novel I wanted to share that's great for younger readers uh, and older as well is called I'm Not a Plastic Bag. It's by Rachel Hope Allison with a forward by Jeff Corwin, who you might know from the Discovery Channel. Mm-hmm. And this book came out a couple of years ago, but it was uh, such a meaningful and impactful book for me that I wanted to make sure that we talk about it here. Uh, it is about the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, which for those people that are not aware of this real thing called the Great Pacific Garbage Patch that I also was not aware of, 
all of the tides in our oceans um, have a way of leading waters to circulate around the around the world. Um, but there is a spot where many of these tides convene in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And when we dump trash, or when there is trash in the ocean, all of those little bits of trash um, make their way to this, what is now a an actual giant island of trash um, in the middle of the ocean that um, is blocking out the sun underneath it. So there is um, animal and plant life um, in the ocean that's being affected below and above because it's garbage out in the middle of the ocean. Mm -hmm. Um, There are images of this that you can see online. Isn't Um, it the size of like Texas or something? It's something so like unbelievably huge. It's massive. And they talk about these garbage patches. There's a couple of them in the world. They talk Mm -hmm. about these garbage patches here. The book is told uh, wordlessly uh, by watching these pieces of refuse travel and become a larger piece. And then the animals in that, in that environment. Um, but it, it speaks to the things that we just let go and how their journey doesn't end when we let go of those things. Very powerful book. Hmm. Speaking of water, one of my favorite books about water is called Water is Water, and it's by Miranda Paul, written by Miranda Paul, who we had on the podcast as a guest on our Back to School episode, and it's illustrated by um, Newberry Honor winning illustrator Jason Chin, and I love this book about the water cycle, talking about every stage of the water, and Miranda has such a beautiful way with words and using, well, she's a poet, so... Um, reading what she writes is very soothing and also very like I don't know it's almost um, like music when she writes and I really love this book because it takes science but also incorporates a story in it so you watch sort of these different kids reacting to water or observing water in all its different forms and how it changes Um, as it goes through different parts of our environment. And the illustrations are just gorgeous. I really love Jason Chin's work. And it's really, really a wonderful picture book. So definitely check that out if you haven't. The next one we want to share is If Polar Bears Disappeared by Lily Williams. This is a series of books. Um, If Sharks Disappeared came before this one. Do you remember what the third one is? It's Elephants. The most recent one is If Elephants Disappeared. The most recent, the one that just came out is If Elephants Disappeared. Lily looks at um, the, the, the interconnectedness of animals in our environment, that food web that you grew up knowing about, that if one thing is affected, it affects everything else. And in If Polar Bears Disappear, she looks at the melting ice caps and um, how one thing disappearing means that it's going to affect another animal, uh, another um, species of animal, uh, either disappearing or becoming so over-multiplied that they uh, deplete a food source and just wreck that entire chain. Uh, I like the way that Lily starts small in these books and looks at here is something that could happen, and all of it is based on science and on research that's been done and is out there, knowing that 
what we think are are small changes can really have big impact on on the rest of our lives and that goes in that good way too if we can save this thing in our environment we really can save a lot of of other animals that rely on that chain of things so um in this case lily's looking at the endangered polar bear being threatened um with extinction because of that rapid climate change that we're talking about here so uh it's not just losing polar bears obviously it's it's losing a lot more than that and i'm grateful to have lily taking that on in in picture book format to reach all readers Yes, I find that so distressing with the polar bears. I think because there was a movie or a documentary not too long ago where I think it followed a few different animals, but one was the polar bear. And I think the very last image was the polar bear going out to find food, and then the camera sort of pans out, and you just see the polar bear swimming, and there's like no icebergs in sight, and they really do need that ice in order to hunt and I just that image just really stuck with me and then also reading this book it's always been something that I've been thinking about so my next picture book recommendation is called Our House is on Fire Greta Thunberg's Call to Change to Save the Planet it's by Jeanette Winter and I felt like I learned a lot about Greta in this book because I didn't know before um, watching the news recently that she was, she's only been really active in the last year. It was when she was 15 years old that she really started um, getting information from her teachers that climate change was happening, the earth was warming up, the polar ice caps were melting. And Greta, at that point, went on strike, skipping school every Friday to sit outside the Swedish parliament building and holding up a sign that said, school strike for climate. And as she continued to do this, other children, other students joined her. And I felt very inspired by her. And of course, now listening to a lot of her speeches and seeing what she's been doing with the UN, it's been very inspiring. So... I think this book is a great introduction to how she got started in activism and a great way for readers to learn about her. We can link to the um, – there's a video of her at the um, Copenhagen Climate Talks in 2015, around that time when she was just starting, mm-hmm. um, where she was begging world leaders to care. Um, that's a, We'll make sure we link to that in the show notes too. Again, those show notes will all be at – bookriot.com slash listen and then find episode 16 of Kidlet these days. Um, let's move on to middle grade. Uh, you have given me the great privilege <laughs> of talking about Strange Birds, a field very guide for welcome. ruffling feathers by Celia C. <laughs> Perez. I love, that book. love this book. Um, and uh, in this story, it's about that, that child activism, student activism. Uh, it's about four girls that are um, that are a, a team, that are a group. Um, they have a mission to um, <laughs> I was say to take down the Floras. The Floras are this sort of like a Girl Scout group, but they have this um, peacock feather hat um, that, that becomes the center of their activism. Because this hat, like many hats from back in the day, 
um, was made by hunting down birds for their feathers. Many, many birds um, became endangered or extinct because of this hunting down. And that's actually one of the causes for um, the great bird count in, in, in Audubon's work. Um, so in this story, Ophelia and Aster and Cat and Lane, these four girls uh, form a club and um, and look to affect change in their community. And I love, much like in um, First Rule of Punk, when we had this this side story of making zines, mm-hmm. I love in this story the the stickers and the entering into your community and trying to <laughs> infiltrate the floras and learn more about them and just all of the different ways that these girls work to infiltrate the community and also the ways that adults, I think it's shown in a really cool way in this book, the way that adults can help if invited in to help. Adults can uh, be left clueless or in some cases, adults can um, interpret a, a method of 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 protest as a way to instead bolster their own appearance. So mm. there there are, are complex relationships between children and kids in this book and it is it is an amazing story. I've listened to the audiobook of this one of course as well and um there's a really great dog scene in this book that I recommend not listening to while you're out for a run in the park. <laughs> I remember when you <laughs> told me that. <laughs> that definitely happened to me. And yes. um, I have an interview next week with Celia about this book, and I will be sure to recount that to her as well. <laughs> hey. That's the best. All right. So I have two books to, to finish this podcast off. The first one is called The Wondrous Workings of Planet Earth by Rachel Ignatowski, and she is the author and illustrator of Women in Science, which is a really popular book. And Rachel is just such a gifted illustrator. Every page in this book is just so gorgeous. The end papers are beautiful. Um, They're just filled with all these different animals. Um, The cover is gorgeous with just so many different scenes from inside the book. So I think this book is really great for all of those readers that are so curious about the natural world. She goes into great detail about so many different ecosystems. So um, like the northern Great Plains or the ecosystem of the Redwood Forest or the ecosystem of the Atacama Desert. And she goes into different continents, and it's really beautiful. And she talks about the polar ice caps. There's a whole section in the end about climate change and global warming causes, as well as um, tips for protecting our planet, which includes education, volunteerism, planting trees, um, looking at the landfill waste that we contribute speaking up, voting, calling a representative, eating less meat, sustainable farming, all these different things, conserving water. So what I like about this book is that it's so beautifully illustrated. It's really interesting to look at, and I highly suggest it for all of those budding naturalists that you have in your classrooms or in your homes. And on the other side of that is a book called Ice, 
Chilling Stories from a Disappearing World, and it's published by DK Publishing. And this one I really love um, because, like the other one I just talked about, which is all um, just so much great information, but it's illustrated. This one is photographs. So there are hundreds of gorgeous photographs about everything concerning animals and ecosystems related to ice. So who lives on the ice, um, where ice is found around the world, um, where ice is melting and how that is affecting different climates. And just, it's very gorgeous. All the photos are really beautiful. And there's a lot of great information about all the different animals. And then at the very end, there's a section about climate change, which talks about um, what's happening with Arctic sea ice. And there's a photo from 1979 of how much ice covered um, the northern part of the world and then a photo from 2012, which shows a really big difference. Also, it talks about Greenland a lot um, because Greenland has a lot of ice that is very rapidly melting. And it says that the Greenland ice sheet is more than 1.2 miles thick and it's melting very fast. So these two books I think are really great to have together because of the photographs versus the illustrations, but they both provide such excellent information. I think readers will love them. That's wonderful. And I would suggest to our listeners that if you have other books about climate change or the environment that uh, are really affecting you, ones that you like to use in your classroom or read to your children, uh, be sure to email us those suggestions at kidlit these days at bookriot.com. We'd really appreciate to hear uh, ways that your students or your children are um, doing activism work in their environments, in their schools, and also what books you're reading that are really lighting up your classroom. Thanks for joining us today. As always, we would love your feedback on this podcast and always appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts. When you do that, you also help other people find us. You can find me, Karina Yan Glazer, on Twitter at Karina Yan Glazer and on Instagram at Karina is reading and writing. And you can find me, Matthew Winner, on Twitter at Matthew Winner. If you have a story idea, reach out to us on social media or email us at kidlitthesedays at bookriot.com. So hashtag kidlitthesedays on social media or email us. We would love to hear what you're thinking about and what you'd like to see on this show next. May your upcoming days be storied, and may those good stories keep on coming.